Hi, I'm James Richardson with a quick word on the audio treats The Athletic have in store this season. Three times a week you get the award-winning Totally Football Show with the likes of James Horncastle, Raphael Honigstein, Carl Anker and Rory Smith and me. Uh, Mark Chapman hosts The Athletic Football Podcast a flashy four times a week with David Ornstein, Adam Crafton and many others. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast will have all the Women's Super League coverage off the back of their brilliant Euros and the offside rule is back too with weekly episodes. That's not all. There are eight dedicated club shows. There's Adam Hurry's joyous football cliché show, Michael Cox's insightful athletic football tactics podcast, the offbeat TIFO football podcast, and a revamped football manager show too. You can get all of these shows wherever you find your podcast or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Rebels, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. And my goodness, the season hasn't quite started, but there is so much to talk about on this podcast. It is absolutely silly. I'm not really sure where to start, but we'll find our way through it together. And at certain points, we might need to hold hands as well, given some of the developments in recent days. But anyway, Carl's with us, Andy's with us, Laurie's with us. It's a full house. We're going to preview the season. We're going to talk about quite a dramatic update from inside Carrington. We're going to talk about the appointment of Benny McCarthy, of Tom Huddleston. There's Dean Henderson's quotes that have come out. There'll be an update on Frankie de Jong, unfortunately, later on in the podcast as well. And there'll be stuff that I've missed out that we'll get to, including Andy's trip to Oslo as well. Andy, how was Oslo? Let's start there, maybe. Sunny, expensive, friendly. Manchester United are hugely popular there. And one thing struck me, at midnight on Friday, I left a supporters club meeting, which some of the former players had been at, including Brian Robson and maybe 400 United fans there. And I walked through a very multicultural area of, of Oslo and I saw this family out eating food. It was like gone midnight and I spoke to them and I said, where are you from? And they said, Pakistan originally. And they had United top on, the young lad. It's just beautiful. I was just really struck by it. And they said, um, Pakistan, have you heard of it? And I, well, have I heard of it? I was there. Do you want to see me pictures? <laughs> and this is all because of Manchester United and... I've been going to Norway since 91. I've seen how popular United are there. Um, there was 26,000 people inside the stadium on Saturday. All but maybe 80 of them were United fans. Atletico had a handful of fans there. So United support in, in Oslo and in Norway. I think the official United Supporters Club there has got 46,000 paid up members. That's not likes on Facebook. That's paid up members in a country of 5 million people. And Liverpool are equally popular. It's United and Liverpool all the way. So it was a great experience. The only bad thing was the result, because I thought United actually did well in the in the first half. Uh, the ticket prices were, were not fan-friendly either. That's another negative. But top city, top people, and I hope to see a lot of them again uh, this season at Manchester United matches. Yeah, sharing about the result, as you say, Andy, um, that was the one sort of negative, major negative, really, wasn't it, of the entire thing? And it wasn't much better on Sunday at Old Trafford, Carl, was it? No. I uh, We talked about this on Monday on the Athletic Football Podcast, but after the Australia leg, I was sort of 7 out of 10 in terms of excitement for United in the new season. And now, after that double head of, of friendlies, I think I'm a 6 out of 10 and uh, very much hoping... No one's getting carried away now, no, are they? absolutely not. I'm very much hoping Jadon Sancho is fit for Sunday as uh, his absence in the team makes everything much more precarious. And if 6 out of 10 is the current feeling, Laurie Whitwell, we thought the results were tempering our excitement ahead of the season opener against Brighton. What have you got to tell us? News has come to us today that uh, Anthony Marshall's picked up a hamstring injury. Um, I think he was seen leaving the pitch holding his leg in Oslo. Um, so I don't know where that's where he's picked up. But uh, the prognosis is, yeah, hamstring problem. It's not supposed to be a serious one. So I don't think it'll be a long-term thing. It does mean that for the Brighton game on Sunday, Eric Tenag will have to find somebody else to lead the line, which brings into question Cristiano Ronaldo, who left the pitch... Um, who left the stadium obviously early on on Sunday isn't quite at the fitness that I think Ten Hag wants or in terms of the tactical um, understanding of his plans but listen if he leaves out Cristiano Ronaldo when there's no recognised centre forward there then you can imagine the questioned and the kind of scrutiny that will follow there so it it's kind of feels like a 
It's only a small injury, yeah, but it feels like a pretty big story based on the fact that Anthony Marshall was good in pre-season and it looked like Eric Ten Hag had settled on his front four for the opening day. If I could pick one player who I think Eric Ten Hag would not want to be injured ahead of the weekend or one player that was the most difficult to replace in terms of all the baggage that came with the decision and everything else with the Ronaldo factor, with the way that the front four had played in pre-season, certainly on the tour element. It's got to be Anthony Martial, hasn't it? It's given him a huge, huge decision, Laurie, ahead of the weekend, hasn't it? Ideally, he would have been able to play Anthony Martial, play Bruno Fernandes, play Marcus Rossi, play Jadon Sancho, who, Carl, I know you're worried about, but I do think he'll be okay. He was seen looking very ill in Oslo, uh, in the team hotel, asking to change rooms. Um, but I, I was intrigued by that line in your piece. What we're we talking about, how did he look ill? So I'm told that he had like his kind of tissue sort of on his mouth and his eyes were kind of watery, so as if he may be been vomiting. So, you know, I, I okay. didn't want to... That's great detail. I hope that's not too much detail. That's yeah, brilliant I don't know. detail. I, I was go, expecting you to say uh, that hot water bottle like fastened to his head or something. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a bug. I mean, I think Luke Shaw might have had the same thing. Like a um, thermometer coming out of his mouth, something like that, you know. <laughs> a listen, across I've, his forehead. If only, yeah, the comic book style yeah, kind of uh, head, to really yeah. show that you're you're ill and injured. Um, you brought more detail than that, even. <laughs> I, I think, yeah. So I think he'll be okay. I think it's a bug. You know, hopefully that 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 three behind the striker is is all sorted. But yeah, as you say, I think Tenag had got. We, we saw, didn't we, how much he was wedded to this kind of 11, really. Um, certainly the front four in training, in matches, um, he kept picking it. So, and I think ideally, to show his authority. He would have liked to start Anthony Martial, you know, because it's therefore this is a guy who's been with me from the start. Ronaldo has obviously not been in pre-season training, um, and, and as said, he wants to go. Whether that has, has now sort of altered, you know, he did the Premier League media day, didn't he, the other day, which you know was notable for some people. I don't think that's as remarkable as what people have made out. To be honest, uh, I mean, we we do those. I, I've done those personally for the last decade, and there's often players who come who you know it's an expectation for the entire squad to do it. Players yeah. have done it and then left the next day. I don't think it's anything right, okay. anything that significant that was being made out. It's a contractual obligation. So That's fair enough. I suppose if certain people think that's notable, maybe that's in its own way notable. Uh, well, you consider there, I mean, there's been more than one contractual, you know, Ronaldo's contractually obligated to do certain things that he hasn't done this summer, shall true, we say. True, true. And he looked like so, he had enthusiasm <laughs> in the video that was that was going around as well, to be fair. Your weekend starts here. Andy, this is simplifying the situation a lot and this is uh, filling in a lot of gaps as well really but just to break it down the decision now for Ten Hag ahead of the weekend to start Ronaldo or to not start Ronaldo in the absence of Anthony Martial it's a headline call either way isn't it when Martial went down in Oslo my first reaction was there's tomorrow's headlines because he was down for two or three minutes but then he got up and it wasn't news then Um, you're saying Ronaldo I saw a lad called Garnacho play extremely well against Real Vallecano. So it's not clear cut who will play up front. But if Ten Hag started Garnacho ahead of Ronaldo at the weekend, that is definitely a headline call. So what? The manager does what he thinks is right. Um, Ten Hag has made references to Ronaldo's fitness and his preparation as to whether he's ready or not. So I'm not privy to what is going on in terms of whether Cristiano Ronaldo is. 82% fit at the moment or 96% fit. These players are monitored very closely. I know that Ronaldo has been training hard this week inside Carrington. If Ronaldo starts against Brighton, there would be no complaints, I don't think, from Manchester United fans in the stadium. We all want to believe it's the first day of the season. We want a dream. We want it to be a great day. We want three points. We're going into it predisposed to thinking, come on, we're going to win the league this year when really we know that that's not going to happen, but we're all idiots and we buy it and <laughs> we really do want to believe it. And Brighton put four past us the other, the other month, so we've got to get yeah, revenge for that from yeah, the start. Look, United's squad is still thin on the ground. Eric Ten Hag wants a bigger squad than last season, not a smaller squad than last season. And United still need to add to that squad. United are looking at strikers. We've still got almost a month left of the transfer window. United know that the forward positions are too light at the moment. And in our best case scenario, we look at Rashford, Martial, Sancho. They're all good players, but they're going to struggle against some Premier League defences as well. And United know that. 
the future of Cristiano Ronaldo is still yet to, to be resolved. That's why we're talking about these subjects at the moment. We don't know who's going to play at the weekend. What do you think he'll do, Carl? I mean, I, I think my instinct says if this was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer still in charge, Ronaldo would just start and, and maybe that is being making it a bit more straight, a bit too straightforward like I've probably done with the questioning already. But it's going to be fascinating to see what Eric Ten Hag does, isn't it? Am I getting too excited about this? I'm not excited. It's like dread, isn't it? Well, yeah, it just seems like such a, a huge call all of a sudden. It's almost the, like it's inevitable that Martial was always going to get injured and Ronaldo was always going to be the major decision for Ten Hag, even if he hasn't had much of a pre-season. Yeah, listeners can't see us, but when uh, when the news first broke, I think I put my head in my hands. I think you did as well, Ian. I'm just mm. like, oh, mate. Oh, Where's your membership on. card, Carl? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad I didn't buy any stock. I <laughs> still, still in the tape holding up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there it is. I mean, there is option C, which is, uh, you know, for, for the second half against Atletico Madrid, Ten Hag did play Marcus Rashford up front. Um, so the, you can have a version where Rashford plays up front, Sancho's on the left, and you try Anthony Alanga on the right. Alanga had a real tough time against that Atletico That seems the most Madrid. logical if Ronaldo's not quite ready. Yeah, it? that is, yeah, it's the option C, it's not the ideal version. Uh, and, you know, Alanga didn't have a great time against Atletico Madrid, but that is an option there. If if Ten Hag wants to do that, I don't see him doing that unless he, you know, he really wants to take a hardline stance on Ronaldo. Which I keep watching these interviews with Ten Hag, and he really likes using the word unacceptable, doesn't he? What is the consequence for that unacceptability? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is it? Yeah, but it wasn't you, just Ronaldo, was it? We should say this at this point. There were several yes. players who left at this point. So if he leaves Ronaldo out because of that, he has to leave the others out because of that as well, doesn't yeah. he? So he's used unacceptable in regards to United's defending against Aston Villa. He's used it in regards to goal-scoring opportunities against Atletico Madrid, and now he's used it. You're saying again. he needs yeah. Andy's Theosaurus, aren't you? Carl? He, might, he might do. He might do. There are, you know, there's an excellent piece Laurie's got that we can plug in a little bit about how Ten Hag's now figuring out how you know weird Manchester United is. And the way he keeps using the word unacceptable, I think he's beginning to you know bristle a little bit at the uh, slightly dysfunctional circumstances that is this football club. Well, that was what I was going to say. In that interview, when you watch it, and obviously I've watched it, it's in Dutch, so hopefully the subtitles are correct. Andy is holding up his thesaurus right now. So go and have a look at what another word for unacceptable could be, the, the Andy, Oxford, please. The Oxford thesaurus. It's not any thesaurus. In, in this interview with the Dutch broadcaster, um, he actually, he kind of, he tries to def, not defend Ronaldo, but his, his, his instinct is not to make Ronaldo the isolated incident. So he, he he pushes back on the fact that he wasn't on tour. He says it was uh, private, personal reasons. He pushes back on the fact that it was Ronaldo that left early. He said it was every, you know the, not everyone. There were, there were lots of people that left early, and then he said, you know, I don't condone it. It's not acceptable for everyone. So he he is criticizing Ronaldo, and that's what we will draw from it. But perhaps in his own mind, it's it's a kind of a blanket uh, criticism. Well, it, but he needs to do that anyway because that's his ethos. He wants everyone to be treated the same. Part of the criticism of the players leaving early is that he wanted yeah. them to behave as a team and all be in it together. So he can't then go and single out players because that would go against his ethos. And I, I don't expect him to do that. And, and, any good alternatives to unacceptable that we can suggest to Eric, Andy? Yeah, I've got several here. Um, bad, forbidden, <laughs> illegal, improper, inappropriate, improper. inexcusable, insupportable, intolerable, invalid. <laughs> taboo, unsatisfactory, unsuitable and wrong. What I would say in defence of the manager is when your command of another language is not perfect and I speak from experience, you tend to use the same words that you trust yeah. because yeah. your vocabulary yeah. is not as extensive as if it was your mother tongue. I mean, obviously, in, in this situation, he was speaking in his mother tongue, in Dutch. Um, the translation is, is unacceptable, you know, so maybe that's that just particular translation from Dutch to English. But nevertheless, I think it does still carry the weight of what he wants to say. Um, when speaking to people in terms of his appointment, I think they were impressed by the fact that he had very clear ideas about what he would accept and what he wouldn't accept. And, and that is something that United have needed, I think, you know, uh, for, for a while, certainly under Ralph Ranić, where, you know, we we've heard players talk about standards being slipping and, and, you know, um, certainly David De Gea and Bruno Fernandes talk about lateness. So I think, you know, the fact that you have a a manager talking about what he will accept and won't accept, you know, that's his disciplinarian authority that he's trying to convey. Laurie as well. um, Andy mentioned it before, um, the idea that United are still in the hunt for a striker. How hard are they searching? There was a a Sesco update in the piece that you've um, written for The Athletic this morning. And it's interesting that you said it was like... um, 
a real welcome to the job, all the issues that Ten Hag has had to deal with this week. And we've added Martial to that as well, haven't we? For sure. You know, it's not the first time, I suppose, that Anthony Martial's had, had muscle injuries. And that's why perhaps you can't necessarily pin all your hopes on him. Like he's, he's been in promising, and, but there's that slight air of. Um, how consistent can he be throughout a full season? Um, and, and that was, yeah, you say the welcome to Manchester United. This is another one where ideally he'd want to make a call on Sunday based on football. What What is the best football team f- to win this match? Ronaldo changes the dynamic there because you also have to think, what will the fallout be? What will the media scrutiny be? And maybe he equally just dismisses that. But I still think that's a, a valid consideration um, for the kind of performances and results that you can get on the pitch. Um, yeah, in terms of looking for a striker, I mean, you know, we were told earlier this year that a striker was on the list for, for United. And then I think it perhaps changed with Everton Hard coming in and, and you know Frankie de Jong midfield being the, the primary focus. But clearly the Ronaldo thing wasn't... I don't know, you could sense perhaps that something was brewing there with United not being in the Champions League. Clearly with Edinson Cavani leaving, Mason Greenwood not being available... Anthony Marshall originally started the summer as someone that you know could be sold, and and Eric Ten Hag had kind of said, no, actually, I've seen him in training, and I want him to stay. So he he you know kept him in his squad, but clearly the striker um, area has needed supplementing. You know Darwin Nunes was you know passed up on. I think you could probably say um, certainly United held talks you know April April time, and, and maybe they could have got him ahead of Liverpool if they'd acted quicker. But at that, that point, there wasn't that clarity on exactly what they wanted and how they could spend the money because clearly he would have cost uh, a decent whack of money. Now we're talking about Benjamin Shesko. Hopefully, I pronounced that sort of correctly. You know, the Red Bull Salzburg striker who is only nineteen, but you know, from speaking to people, people at uh, Red Bull think that he could be even better than Erling Haaland. I know that's a big statement to make, but that's the kind of profile that they're looking at. United have known about him for a long time. I'm told that it was sort of 2019 when they were first tracking him before he even went to Red Bull. The price got a bit too much, €3 million, Euro, I think it was, for a 16-year-old. You, you can kind of understand that, but then again, you know, is is that something that they could look at and think, did we, did we miss a trick there? Um, but now, yeah, Chelsea look like they're in talks with him as well. Um, United have held talks with him and I think more are planned. It's going to cost a lot of money though. Do they really want to commit that to a 19-year-old? Is this too late in the day to kind of go for it? It feels like it's after the event rather than being proactive with it. But I don't know, I can kind of see Andy nodding as if he's going to come in and tell me that what I've been talking is absolute rubbish and not for the first time. (laughs) United are looking at a striker. Carry on. (laughs) Simple as that. Okay, we need to talk about coaches now as well, don't we? Because Tom Huddleston has been added to the mix. He's the replacement of Paul McShane, who performed this similar sort of player-coach role uh, in the youth team last season. But perhaps more impactful, certainly in the first team and the immediate future for Manchester United, is the appointment of Benny McCarthy as first-team coach, as exclusively reported on The Athletic by Andy Mitten. Andy, you've known him a while. You've you've interviewed him many times. Um, there's lots of stories round and about of, of you and Benny talking. What sort of a character is he and how, how did this come about for United? Well, he's a character. That's the first thing. This is, I knew him, known him uh, 20 years. Very, very good striker. I was completely cursing him when he knocked United out of the Champions League for FC Porto. But as Alex Ferguson admitted, they were, they were fantastic goals. This is someone who grew up in apartheid era, South Africa, in a very, very tough part of Cape Town. Um, played in the Gangster League, was very popular because he knew where the goal was. So some of his best friends were like major, major gangsters. And came out of a team called Seven Stars, went to Ajax as a kid, walked into a dressing room at Ajax full of big, big name players like Patrick Clivert, Jari Littman. And he broke into the first team, um, learned languages as he went along, got on brilliantly with Jose Mourinho, um, turned up and performed for him when he was at FC Porto. Didn't like his manager at Celta Vigo at all. Um, heard him calling him out on TV, so he fronted him face to face. And uh, he's a character. He's got massive balls, Benny McCarthy. <laughs> I, I, I okay. think that Manchester okay. United could do with a dose of what Benny's going to bring. He was a top-level striker, so the players will respond to that at United because he's done it. You know, People like Bruno Fernandes absolutely adored him because he was a hero in his city, even though Bruno was a Boavista fan, 
Porto winning the Champions League was a major, major achievement. And Josie wanted to take him to Chelsea several times. He ended up at Blackburn. Second top scorer in the, in the Premier League at Blackburn Rovers. That's a major achievement. And went to West Ham, didn't work out there. But let's talk about him as a coach. And done all of his badges. Uh, married a, a girl in Edinburgh. Went up to Edinburgh to see him a few times. He'd do things like turn out for an Edinburgh Sunday League team because his his <laughs> wife's brother ran one just you know just to help him out. Obviously, scored like sixteen goals, and then started his career proper as a manager. Did really well at Cape Town City on a limited budget. Then went to Amazulu in in Durban. Did really well there. Got offered the South Africa job. Turned it down. Which as a young coach is really something, and it's a left field appointment. Great. I like different ideas. I like different ways of thinking. I like the fact that he's going to go against convention and speak his mind. He's been in at Carrington, he's taken sessions and he's been um, judged while he's taking those sessions by Eric Ten Hag and his staff. Didn't know any of them, by the way. And so when I see lazy stuff like that, oh, it's the Ajax connection. I'm sorry, there is no connection. Benny has gone for a job and got a job on merit and I wish him all the, the, the best to do that job. And if you're going to be told how to be a striker, why not have someone who's done it at a top, top level? Against the grain all his life. You know, he never done things um, the, the easy way, uh, Benny. As a journalist, some of his quotes, wow. I mean, he'd say <laughs> things like, I'm proud to be banned from the city of La Coruña by the mayor. Andy, I inflicted that much damage against Deportivo. They never wanted to see me again. I, I just did them. And he'd score goals in Riasor. He'd just drive the home fans absolutely mad. And then he'd speak up Vigo. And again, Vigo, people look down on Vigo, dirty fishing port Vigo. It's paradise, he'd say. It's absolute paradise. So I like a man who's interesting. He's going to love Salford Keys, isn't he? He knows Manchester. He's lived in Manchester. Friends yeah, with yeah. people like Cristiano Ronaldo when he lived in Manchester because a lot of the Blackburn players lived in Manchester. So he was there um, with people like Aaron McQuenna, Stephen Pienaar, who was at, who was at Everton. And um, he's, he's wanted to be a coach and he's always said, um, well, he said a couple of things. There are not enough opportunities for black coaches and I believe him. And he said the captains of industry are in the Premier League. I love his... Um, I love his phraseology. I once asked him, what was it like going back to Celta Vigo with Victor Fernandez's manager who you didn't like? He went, a nightmare. I'm talking a Freddy Krueger-style nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I love them type of quotes. That is the opposite of, well, it was difficult when I went back there, but, you know, we got on fine. <laughs> You've got Benny basically saying, and if he comes at me, he knows what he's going to get. <laughs> I think this is great. Football sport, football's entertaining. If them players respond to him, as I'm sure they are doing, then I think he can be a good addition to Manchester United's coaching staff. I don't like group thing. I like the fact that Ten Hag's bringing in these opinions. You've now got four coaches there who've all managed individually in the top league in their country. This is a good thing. This isn't a bad thing. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect this year because we've no guarantees what's going to, going to happen. But when Benny got the job, I saw it as a positive and not a negative. Yeah, your piece up on The Athletic, of course, everyone wants to go and read all the detail in that and there is quite a lot of detail in it, to be fair. Uh, Carl, you were at Old Trafford, like we've said on Sunday. Uh, that was the first sight that we had of, of Benny McCarthy around Manchester United. What do you make of the appointment? It took me by surprise, certainly. Uh, and after the game... Eric Ten Hag did interview MUTV and he, he he talked about how Benny would be a new voice uh, and described the fact that he wants United to attack in a proactive manner. Uh, and he said, Benny would be useful in helping us attack in a proactive manner. And that's not just the strikers, but the fullbacks and the midfielders, which again speaks to this whole, whole of, um, collective play that Ten Hag wants. I think that you know, there's going to be, he wants you know, 11 players to defend, he wants 11 players to attack, which is the big thing and I think McBenny's going to be really interesting uh, you can bring up for some ideas on tactical periodization, which you know Mourinho was a big fan of as well um, and, and he'll probably have a lot of thoughts on, on proper spacing of your attackers when you want to do that switch ball thing that Ten Hag seems to want United to do all through preseason. so yeah took me by surprise I wish him all the best Laurie how handy is it that he was friends with Ronaldo? Well, you do wonder, don't you? But um, I keep asking leading questions <laughs> on Ronaldo yeah, this God, podcast. I can't help it. Get over it, will you? Um, <laughs> I know, yeah. Talk he's about one of the world's most famous footballer. Um, 
Well, I'll tell you what really, I mean, Andy's piece is absolutely brilliant. And um, what really encouraged me was the process for him getting the job. You know, the fact that he actually came into Carrington and gave sessions and Tanag's there looking at him. I mean, what what other way can you get you know, proper sense to someone that, than that? Also, the fact that he isn't just somebody that Tanag's known all his life. You know, the fact that it was, you know, an agent, you know, suggested him, proposed him. Tanag took a look and made a, a value judgment with his own evidence, uh, with his own eyes. So I don't know, I, w- I was really encouraged by that. And as you say, a different voice. I, I was one that I saw and thought, that's that's a really odd one. I wasn't sure. I didn't know the, the kind of how much he'd done in his career already as, as a manager. Because um, you sort of, you think, I, I didn't weigh he was that, I didn't know he was that way wired. It's a good gig for him, but I'm I'm in, I'm intrigued by the uh, the appointment. I'm kind of encouraged by the way it came about. Interesting that a man should arrive in Manchester this week who gives killer quotes because one it seems has left. Dean Henderson <laughs> is the new Benny McCarthy, Andy, isn't he? I mean, I, I think we're all four players showing a little bit of personality, so I'm reticent to absolutely hammer him like he seems to have been hammered across social media. Uh, but startling quotes, aren't they? False promises, um, false promises, getting in the team, doing really well, um, and then getting dropped, never really getting back in. They'll say COVID was an issue, but it was just another excuse. Um, and for me, I've just had to uh, deal with all them tough times, um, and no one really cares because you fade away into the background when you're not playing and you're not out there. But um, look, I'm back, I'm ready, I feel better than I was uh, back then. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, he's never been short of, of confidence, Dean Anderson. Um, in fairness to him, Carl wrote a piece about how luckless he was last year. And I think that's right, because he was in a good place. He, he, he got COVID. I think he's a, a Premier League standard goalkeeper. And I know people who work with him every single day. And they would say to me, I know what his public perception is, but trust us as a good lad there. Uh, he's just very, very confident. And maybe you need to be very confident. He won't be the first goalkeeper to show a lot of confidence and faith in himself, would he? It seems to be a, a position that does carry that character trait at times. Probably Peter Schmeichel. And, and a yeah. lot of the players weren't having him. They just they just thought, because he wasn't part of the gang, he wasn't part of the pack. But he was an amazing goalkeeper. And uh, Dean was probably under the perception that he was going to be the first choice goalkeeper. Football doesn't work like that, you know. People might be under a perception or assumptions. It was also the the terms that he used as well that made it so impactful, so strong. To say that he's wasted twelve months, that it's criminal that he's wasted twelve months, and that he was fuming. There's a few other players who would who would feel that they were strung along by Manchester United. If you spoke to maybe Jesse Lingard in private, because what the big clubs do, they keep too many players. Because that gives the managers more choice. And I remember um, Chris Smalling went up to Oli Solskjaer and said, how many games am I going to play this year? I want an exact answer now. Am I going to be in the 25 to 35? Or am I going to be in the 35 to 45? Because that's where I need to be. And Oli said, you're going to be in the former. So he went, right, I'm leaving. And it's very... If managers aren't pushed on it, then they'll probably say nothing and string players along. And that leads to disappointment. Dean's disappointed, definitely. He will feel now that he's got to prove Manchester United wrong. And in hindsight, yeah, United should have cashed in. I I said on this podcast, Chelsea were in for him a couple of years ago, offering top, top money. And, and they were, that was true. My source on that was a really good one. One thing I think all United fans should thank Dean Henderson for is he, more than anybody else, pushed David De Gea to get back to the player that he was because David was resting on his laurels. He absolutely was. And Dean pushed him and pushed him. And them two got on all right, by the way. But he knew that he was going to lose his place in the first team. And David is not underpaid. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and and, and he, he's put him... Dean really pushed him um, from there. He's not everyone's cup of tea, Dean Anderson. He's a bit of a Marmite... Um, character, but the bottom line is he's good enough to be playing for a top half Premier League club in that, and he's not had much luck. So I hope he gets a bit of luck, and Manchester United might end up cashing in on him properly. Carl, you've written about him being luckless, like Andy said, and, and I guess the, the main sticking point that came out of the interview was the start of last season, where it seems like he'd been promised that he was going to start the season as number one, 
but he had COVID, he couldn't play. David De Gea came in and performed really well and just went from strength to strength and almost made himself undroppable. And I guess as well, it didn't help that it was the Champions League for United, not the Europa League. And Dean Henderson started both of the cup games when they went out at the first time of asking. So his opportunity to play was limited by the team's performance as well. Yeah, yeah. It's just absolute rotten luck. It's not just COVID. It's also the fact that you know he gets injured just before England camp for the Euros. Drops out, gets replaced by Aaron Ramsdale. If you think Dean Henderson, goalkeeper at Sheffield United, goes back to Manchester United, Ramsdale comes in and Sheffield United sort of, that weird footballing machine falls off a cliff. And one of the big reasons, you know, it was at the time thought of Ramsdale is not as good a goalkeeper as Dean Henderson. Now Ramsdale is starting goalkeeper for Arsenal, meant to be the future of English goalkeeping, is going to push... Jordan Pickford to whatever at the World Cup and Henderson is basically right back where he started on loan for a recently promoted Premier League team having to prove himself once again having questions as to whether or not can he be a progressive goalkeeper or is it the the stylistic thing that Nottingham Forest probably want him to play right I'm not sure how good Dean Henderson is with his feet I think he can make some of those passes that a goalkeeper needs. But also, if you're playing for Nottingham Forest, you're not really going to build up from the back too much. You're probably going to need to kick it along. And those are the big questions as well. It's like Andy said, we know he's a Premier League standard goalkeeper. I'm not sure where in the top half he belongs. And I'm not, if you gave him six months, would he be United first team quality? Maybe. And that's a real, it's really frustrating. And, I also think it's quite funny that, I, you know, if you look at all these quotes, I, th- I think someone should go, Dean, you know you're just on loan, right? Like you're, you're, not yeah. gone, you're not gone, gone. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought the same. Laurie, you've squinted and scratched your chin so many times during the course of this conversation <laughs> that I can't fail to bring you in. Um, yeah, well, I, I mean, good point, because that was one of the things I was going to say um, that Carl's mentioned there, absolutely. And it, there was even a, another question, wasn't there, about who you're most looking forward to facing next season? And he was basically like, well, it would be United if I wasn't banned from playing against them. So he's even got that kind of <laughs> edge you know, to it in, in that regard, which part of me, quite I like, listen, we always it. say, please be, you know, you talk about Benny McCarthy and, and, you know, good quotes, being themselves. We always ask for this. So you can't knock somebody for talking openly and honestly, and you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We, you know, we hear what he's saying and, and maybe there's even more to it than that. But so I, I kind of think, you know, f- fair enough, really, if that's how you feel. Um, uh, but yeah, it did make me think, how do you then come back to United at the end of your loan? Is it basically now, okay, De Gea's going to be the number one goalkeeper. He wants to extend his contract um, and that's that's it. And Dean Henderson's thought, right, I'm not going to be a Man United goalkeeper. So I'd much rather prove myself at Nottingham Forest and then get a good transfer somewhere. And United should, if that's the case, United should make good money on a player that they've brought from the academy. And that would probably be, you know, one in you know several years of, of sales that they've they've kind of you know will get good money for because you know still i think andreas Pereira is the one that they've sold this summer for like 10 million pounds have still not added to the budget this summer tell us as well laurie it seems like a good point to bring this in tell us on loan no, no loan no, fee loan at all, fee. no obligation or option to buy either for severe I mean, yeah, that's that's it. I mean, it was same with Dean Henderson. So no obligation, no option with him, even though it was talked about. I don't think that was ever really um, under discussion. Yeah, Alex Tellis. I mean, I was in Seville this weekend, you know, <laughs> sunning myself rather than, you know, paying too close attention to what was going on in Oslo and, and, and Old Trafford. But um, I didn't see Alex Tellis there. So fool me, I, I missed the story. Um, but uh, yeah, as you say, is he not someone that you could just sell? I mean, if he's not going to be a part of Emmett Tanag's team, you've got Luke Shaw and Tyrone Malassia there. Also, you know, kids, you know, Alvaro Fernandez are really like. And Williams as well, back, back at the so, club. Yeah, you've got loads of them, haven't you? Yeah, so it's clearly not going to work for Alex Tellers, who, by the way, we were told when he signed, you know, United had scouted for years and years, and he was like, finally, we've got our guy. And it was like, okay, it's because, you know, he's been made available by an agent at a time when, you know, United probably need a bit of a left back as a back. They wanted someone to push Luke Shaw, like we were talking about Dean Henderson pushing uh, uh, Well, Hayden, I suppose, yeah, well. in fairness, yeah, in fairness, then worked. I suppose. Perhaps yeah. that worked, yeah. I mean, by the way, on that, you know, I asked De Gea about Henderson pushing him, you know, and, and was that a, a pivotal moment? And he went, no, I've always given 100%. You know, he absolutely <laughs> shot it down. I mean, I guess he's not going to admit, is he? But uh, I did try. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We, we know how these things go. High wages make it difficult, don't they, for, for clubs to sell. But you do, you, you look at what Man City do and Liverpool and, and the kind of... You know, prices they're getting for some of these players. I mean, Nico Williams has been sold to uh, Nottingham Forest seventeen million pounds. Like you know, 
crazy really like, I, mean, right. I, I thought he was just yeah. on loan they've sold him for 17 million yeah sold him and for i'll have a buyback million. option as well won't it i would have thought i don't know Quite that possibly yeah i mean I, d- I don't know do the, but i kind of feel like it's all it's it's a it's a good sum of money that you can then actually put towards you know the the, the purchase that you want to make so yeah listen I, again i don't know the intricacies of it maybe i'm being harsh but i kind of feel like alex tellis was one where you could get you know you might get some money back because i mean i think they bought him for like you know 15 million something like that um i mean you know, you've got Eric Bailly, who's another one that you know you think, okay, here's someone that you could sell for. Um, told that Fulham have made a, an inquiry on him. He's also got interest, I think, from Sevilla, AC Milan, Roma, a lot of clubs. West Ham had been mentioned to me as well, but I've, I've not got that 100% confirmed. You know, I'm also told that it, it's unlikely at the moment. It doesn't feel like anything's going to happen there. I think maybe he wants to fight for his place at Manchester United. So there are obviously issues where clubs are trying to sell play, players where. You know, they obviously have pushback from those players. So it's not as straightforward as, well, just sell him. But at the same time, it, it kind of is a consistent theme at United, I think. So Eric Bailly might not leave? Yeah, quite possibly. Bailly's probably fifth choice at this point in time. If we assume the starting pairing now would be Lissandro Martinez and Harry Maguire, Rafael Varane... Are we assuming that that's what it actually is? So Rafael Varane's not the first choice centre-back I'm going to make United. that assumption. I yeah, think I if you think look so. at how... Ten Hag has used wow. Alex Tillis in particular during preseason as a centre back and as a defensive midfielder. Oh yeah, the way that preseason's gone, uh, it I agree. really yeah. it really looks as if Ten Hag has a special importance on having a left-footed person in deep areas. And that you know that player yeah. normally in defensive midfield is meant to be Fred. And if it's not Fred, then it will be Martinez. So to me, it's it's very much going to be Martinez and Maguire. Uh, I watched Rafael uh, against Rafael Vallecano and he looked shaky on the ball. Shakier than I would expect for a player who's won the Champions League that many times. You know, it's not he's a safe, sensible passer, and he's not really someone that that you know, makes progressive runs or progressive passes. But he he looked unsure of himself in a way I haven't seen him look unsure of himself in a Real Madrid shirt. Um, and yeah, I think he's probably third choice for Manchester United high ranker centre backs. So I think Victor Lindelof now is fourth, and I think buys fifth. I think Victor Lindelof might even be ahead of of Rafael Varane. I mean, the one caveat I'd say to this is it's all you know how much availability is Rafael Varane going to give Eric Ten Hag so that that's in his mind so I think if he wants a settled lineup that's why maybe Varane isn't uh, starting every week Andy has got his hand up I think Victor Lindelof is higher up I think he's higher rated I think Eric Bailly will leave the club in Eric Bailly's mind he will have thought I'm going to impress the new manager and when he ran through Liverpool's uh, attackers midfield and forward line he was onto that but when he gave the ball away five minutes later people were like oh the same old Eric there's been a lot of interest um, in Eric Bailly but some of the clubs who came in for him offered really low fees and and Manchester United have got a a figure in mind which they want to sell him for or, or want a loan fee for and I think that he will end up going because he wants to play uh, football. But there's, there are a lot of suitors for him. Italy, for example. Turkey, the first the first proper interest came from Turkey, from a good club there. And, and I think he'd be fine in, in both of those, those leagues. Um, I think the point about Varane is really interesting. We thought we would buy him one of the best defenders in the world because he was, because he is. And he's not really done it, has he? He needs a really good second season, but is he going to have a chance to have one? And as Carl said, he looked a bit shaky at the weekend. He's going to be up against it making France's World Cup squad even at this rate, yeah, isn't he? and that, that is some drop-off. Now, I think he's he's got to be playing every week and he's got to be uh, fit, fit, fit. But to be playing every week, you've got to be performing every week. I think with Harry Maguire, he's the captain. He's the captain. He's gonna. He's, he's gonna be starting. But I know that Lindelof is really highly rated. I take at the weekend in Oslo, Lindelof was was praised by people I know um, for his performance. He can, he gets right forward. He really follows the instructions of his manager. I was taking snapshots of the game and seeing him deep inside the Atletico half. Now, granted, Atletico play sixty five defenders, and they're very <laughs> difficult to play against. But but Lindelof is someone who who is he's, he's highly rated at the club. I know for a fact that he is. So I I think he would be above um, Varane, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he started against uh, Brighton at the weekend. Eric Bailly is banned from playing against Brighton forever after his performance at uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. at their oh, place goodness. a few years ago. That was yeah, um, that yeah, was written point. in UK government law, so we're not going to see him. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, keep your eyes peeled to The Athletic, of course, for any updates on exits from Manchester United. Of course, Tellers is going on loan and uh, there could well be more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, it's time for this. I got my mind set on you. I got my mind set on you. I got my mind set Oh my goodness. Um, it started off as a bit of a joke to play a theme tune, didn't it? Uh, for the Frankie De Jong section. On, I got my head in my hands at this point um, on the podcast. But... Um, as weeks go by, Andy, the more we're looking out the window, certainly, aren't we? What did you ask me last week? Did you say, um, or did I say, you'd probably prefer London to Manchester? Yep. Yeah, he did say that. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think he you did. had it as I did ask, I did ask you, what's the chances of another football club showing interest? So, sorry. Sorry, everyone. I hadn't put that, plucked that information out of thin air. Sadly. <laughs> it's like the other stories. Sadly. <laughs> I got a text from Miami about two weeks ago. Um, Barcelona had just played in Miami. I read that text and thought, oh, no. <laughs> um, and that's what made me be a little bit more despondent on last week's podcast when I reduced the chance of him going to Manchester United from 60-40 in United's favour down to 50-50. Look, Are we 40-60 yet? I'd still say it's 50-50. Okay, okay, let's look at what Chelsea are doing. <laughs> Chelsea are trying to hijack deals. Were Chelsea in for De Jong? Originally, no. Were Chelsea in for Mark Cucurella? Originally, no. Do Chelsea have a sporting director at the moment? No. They've approached two people, they've offered the job to one of them. So where? who is making Chelsea's decisions? Because it's extremely reactive what they're doing at the moment. And Todd Bowley's been flying around Europe, he's been loving it. And a few clubs have been going, yeah, he's really enjoying being a real-life football manager here, isn't he? Yeah. Chelsea's recruitment in recent years has actually been pretty smart. Uh, would Frankie prefer to live in London over Manchester? From what I'm told, yeah. Is he wrong there? Absolutely. Listen, Frankie, I've lived in London, I've lived in Manchester, and I've lived in Barcelona. You're really missing out on Manchester. Go there. It's a miles bigger club than than Chelsea. You can be a hero there. United are not giving up on this. Barca are messing around a little bit. A little bit? They've activated the third economic lever this week. Lever? Lever? Lever. Uh, from... So- the Socios, which is the crypto company, I certainly hope Barcelona got paid up in cash up front. So it looks as if they are more likely to register at least their new signings. I have no idea what this has in terms of Frankie's wages. Well, if people want to know more about this particular issue and Barcelona's finances, I can't help but say, go and have a look at the article that Paul Ballas and Adam Crafton and others has written on the Athletic on this and we've also did the Athletic Football podcast uh, earlier on in the week 
with Paul and Adam. It, it's fascinating. The detail in it is incredible. Andy, you're close to Barcelona. Uh, I'm sure you are across it just like those two are. Barca don't yet know for definite that they can still register these footballers. They still need to get rid of more players. Frankie de Jong is still the most likely sort of headline sale that would bring in a significant amount of cash that might change the situation. So is he any more likely to even stay amongst all of this, considering these levers, levers, or whatever you want to call them, have been pulled? He might have been using the word levy. You know, in New Orleans, <laughs> when the, the water's rising so much, you have to put the levies in and... I think there's a good analogy there with Barca's financial situation. They are they are underwater. They do need to sell players, um, and Frankie de Jong is the one player who will realise them the, mo- the most money. I I think the following will happen, and I might be wrong, but I think the following will happen. And I'm going to go a lot to Barca next week, although I've turned down the invitation to go to Robert Lewandowski's uh, presentation on on Friday. Poor Robert. Frankie de Jong's done absolutely nothing wrong. He's going to be put under more and more pressure through the media. Uh, to leave Barcelona so that it can cash in on him and then he's going to have a choice of where he wants to go. If Xavi's been true to himself, he'd want Frankie de Jong to be an important part of his team but Xavi's only working for other people and he's, he will be put under more and more pressure uh, to, to move the player on. Uh, if the player really doesn't want to move on, he doesn't have to because he's got a contract and he's owed a lot of money, as, as you're saying. And Barcelona is a basket case at the moment. So then you look at where he's going to go to. And Manchester United wouldn't be wasting all the time on this, wouldn't be spending so much time in Barcelona. The top people. And a lot of the meetings have gone undetected, by the way. People have had a couple of sightings, but most of them have gone undetected. And if he then has a straight choice between uh, Chelsea and Manchester United, well, that's a major amount of money for Chelsea to play. When you consider that they've got Jorginho, they've got Kovacic... They've got Kante. Even the younger players who've returned as well. Conor Gallagher's back, Billy Gilmore's back, Ruben Loftus-Cheek still there. Who's driving Chelsea's recruitment? And are they just trying to hijack um, players uh, from other clubs, which is one strategy which other clubs have used? So I wouldn't rule United out of it. And it's frustrating for fans and it's frustrating for Eric Ten Hag. If Frankie de Jong does end up going to Manchester United, I hear a lot of fans saying we shouldn't be signing him if he doesn't want to come. If he did go, I think he'd be a perfect professional. I really do. I suppose the other factor as well is that if, if, if Frankie de Jong was to say anything public about wanting to join United or even behind the scenes and that and that getting out, doesn't that undermine the fact that he's wait, he's standing firm on the fact that he's owed all this money by Barcelona? That would just completely undermine his case, wouldn't it? He has to appear to want to stay in order to get that money. Doesn't Sir Frankie de Jong well to say anything? He's under contract, he's honouring his contract, he's there and available to play. Doesn't serve him well to say anything in the same way as it doesn't serve Cristiano Ronaldo well to say that he wants to leave Manchester United, which he does. Doesn't serve him well at all. So Frankie de Jong is doing the right thing. He's been advised by his agent. His agent's been speaking to Manchester United. His agent's been saying nothing either publicly. So there's a lot of balance of probability journalism going on with, with this one. So yeah, we could still be speaking about this at, at the end of August and, it, and it's very frustrating. Or he could sign, just checking the fixtures here, roll up to Old Trafford <laughs> in September. Who have we got? Arsenal at home on the 4th, smashing the winner. And everyone's thinking, <laughs> Frankie goes Swallywood tunes or whatever. This is, this is thir- 13 weeks. I think it... Thir- May it started. I mean, I know it's complex. It's really, really complex. But is there a point where you go... It, it's not going to happen and, and you make that call and you act proactively with it or are we just going to get to deadline day like we did with Jaden Sancho and it then is a, a bit of a scramble and who can we get? Um, I, I'm, I'm told also, and if, if you want to kind of respond to that one, but that there's some agent fees as well. That's also a, a, an issue. So it's not just his wages. There's, you know, there's agent, there's other people with motivations here. And as you said, you know, United, I think still feel that, you know, that he would come. You know, it's not like it's he's not interested and doesn't want to come and United are just chasing this guy, you know, into the distance. So many agents have tried to play Manchester United this summer. I can understand Manchester United for not feeling that they're having the pants pulled down on this. Three weeks ago, I was told it's Frankie, Frankie or nobody. I'm now told that there are plan Bs, that there are other players being looked at in, in, in those positions. Um, so, yeah, so we, we're going to see more more transfer activity, I would suspect. Um, 
in this month. We did the piece in The Athletic about the Fabregas situation. There are similarities there, but then again, it's it's totally different as well. I think if the season starts and Barca have got their Gamper tournament on Sunday. Not against Roma, which is interesting in itself. Yeah, so, yeah well, they yeah. pulled out of it, but that just shows how badly FC Barcelona are being run. The, the, the opponents are pulling out. There's all the Super League stuff attached to that as well, potentially, isn't there? Which Adam and Paul wrote about in the article too. So they've got Rayo, Rayo at home uh, next week. Then they've got Real Sociedad away. If if Frankie de Jong is not starting these matches, then that is a major, major marker on what his situation is at the club. And Cesc Fabregas always said, if I'm not starting, I'll move. And Frankie, at the moment, should be in Barca's first eleven. But if he's not starting, Xavi's like, I'm sorry about this. Then the probability of him moving increases even, even, even more. I think to add to that as well, Andy, you said before about the pressure increasing on Frankie. If we got to a situation where Barcelona are starting the season and they still can't register these players because even with the money that they've brought in, they've still not satisfied La Liga that they can. Uh, meet the financial requirements that they put in place to be able to register Lewandowski, Rafinha. Even Dembele needs re-registering because he was out of contracts and re-signed. Uh, if they're not available to play, there's going to be even more pressure on him in theory. So it'll be interesting to see how that does all play out. Do you want yeah. me to go to a Barca game this month and get a massive Frankie come to Manchester? <laughs> Ah, I'd unfurl it. I wouldn't do it in the mix zone. I'd be professional. I'd use my local contacts. I've done this once before. I'm not going to tell you oh the boy. full story. <laughs> trouble. If we oh unfurled boy. a massive flag from the second tier, listeners to this podcast, don't tell anyone else about it. That'd be great, wouldn't it? It would. It would. Frankie, it would. come to Manchester. How could he resist? And also, I love how um, he's not even our player and not even United's player and Frankie <laughs> his first name terms like has this ever happened before where we've had a player that's been on first name terms that isn't even ours it's because it's quite a catchy first name though isn't it, it Frankie is. yeah. yeah not is Frankie it a cool name? Not you Frankie. need to get him into um, into them cocktails Laurie take him and his partner out around Manchester they'd absolutely love it because Manchester's a great city and sometimes the international perception of Manchester is is not so well, positive. If there's a case of, you know, is, is Mrs. You know, perhaps preferring London to Manchester, is this where we tell them, actually, Manchester's full of sunshine right now, beautiful bars. I've, I've followed them on Instagram now, so I can sense the kind of vibe they're going for. And I'm telling them that they can get that in Manchester. Let's move now in August while the sunshine is out. Don't be moving as, 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 as uh, the winter is coming. Uh, I did say with the cocktails, Anne-Marie's a Norwegian red. She's very popular on social media, but she bought us a cocktail on Friday called a Red Devil. Wow, beautiful. It was just handed into my hands. I've no idea. I took a sip of it and said, said nice. I'm sure Laurie knows what's in the stuff like that. I've never heard of it. I'd love to know the ingredients. I presume it's like a bit spicy. Got a bit maybe Tabasco in it or something. I love Dandy's description. I just scrolled back on the WhatsApp group. He wrote, Anne has just brought me a Red Devil cocktail, martini and something else. <laughs> ah, well, there we go. If it's got martini in it, perfect. I was having Is a few of them said in on the menu? Yeah, it probably cost about 600 quid, so Laurie would have been in the market for buying it in, in Oslo. But I, I did appreciate the gesture. It was a red drink. It had martini and something else in it. And, and I, I, I enjoyed it being brought a drink by a listener to this podcast. Nice one, Anne-Marie. Brilliant. That's the place to leave it, I think. I don't know how we follow that. Of course, it's a season opener on Sunday at Old Trafford. Laurie and I will be there. We'll bring you a podcast after that. Frankie de Jong won't be there, unfortunately, by the sound of it. But I'm sure we'll still have some fun and see who Eric Ten Hag picks for his first Manchester United official lineup. That front line alone is going to be absolutely fascinating. And we're back to twice a week as well from next week. Now the season is kicking off, so Mondays and Thursdays, roughly speaking, we're going to be with you on Talk of the Devils, so look out for us. Hit subscribe. If you want to know more about any of the articles that we've spoken about, go to The Athletic. If you're not a subscriber, you can subscribe now for just £1 a month for the first six months. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Pod. But Carl Lanka, thank you. Andy Mitten, thank you. Laurie Whitwell, thank you. And we'll see you on the next one. The Athletic.